Life Audio. Hey there, welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Today's podcast is going to be really helpful, and it's one that every homeschooling family needs to listen to. Although we hate to even entertain the thought, we need to be ready to know how to react if we're ever approached by the state. And our guest today is incredibly well-equipped to help us know how to respond in difficult situations. Bradley Pierce is the co-founding attorney of Heritage Defense. Since being licensed in 2008, Bradley has defended the parental rights of Christian homeschooling families around the country against threats by social services. Today, he's going to be giving us some really practical advice that I know will be a great help to all of us as we look specifically at preteens, teens, and medical consent. So stay tuned. Hey, Bradley, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you joining us again today. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Well, you are welcome. We're really just excited to be able to to work with Heritage Defense and to see how the Lord has really given you guys so many opportunities to encourage and help and and in some cases rescue homeschool families who find themselves in situations that are really, really difficult. So before we dive in, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about you know, who you are and you know, you're the co-founder of Heritage Defense. So what is that and why is it needed? I think that'll set the stage for the rest of our conversation really well. Yeah. So Heritage Defense, we're an organization that's here to defend families' parental rights, homeschoolers in particular. You know, if you have a social worker that knocks at your door and, you know, it's not really about a homeschooling issue, it's about something else, which is normally why they're going to be knocking. Any kind of your parental rights that may be challenging, any kind of false allegation of abuse or neglect. Maybe a child broke a leg. Maybe you have a disgruntled family member. Maybe you have a neighbor who's just you know being mean to you and trying to retaliate against you. Things like that, or maybe something more serious. Maybe it's something a medical decision that you're making and having a disagreement with a medical provider, or maybe some kind of misunderstanding somebody's had. There's so many ways that social workers can show up at people's houses, and now they have a CPS investigation, and they don't know what to do. Well, that's what that's what we're here for. Uh, families can call us as members. Uh, they can join Heritage Defense and call us 24-7, be connected with an attorney, an experienced Christian attorney who can help them. And that's not just at the door, but, you know, any meetings that needed to make, take place, if you have to go to court, whatever you have to do, that's all included with membership with Heritage Defense. So we've been doing that now since 2010. And God's, as you said, allowed us to serve uh, families all across the country. We have members in every state, and we're very, very grateful for just the the privilege that it is to get to serve homeschooling families. Yeah, we are. Yeah, it's it's what you guys do is what none of us wish ever needed to be done. <laughs> you know, I right. it would be so nice to just literally live under a rock and not have to deal with what we see changing so quickly all around us. And yet, I think especially for Christian homeschooling families, as homeschooling is exploding. And so much more focus is getting on it. I think that our demographic, our people group of Christian homeschooling families are going to see a lot more attention put on us than we would ever want to. Right. For, like you said, the stuff that you would never even think about 
being looked at for. And you're so exposed because anybody can call in a tip or or whatever and they follow up on it. So just really, really grateful for the work that you guys do. What, Thank you. What all have you all seen just kind of as we've looked at culture, you know, from my vantage point, I see so much change happening and so much slide and so much horror. But you guys there on the front line, what what types of things are happening at a government level in the, you know, within the states or whatever that is really, really things that as Christian homeschool parents, we need to key in on and be aware of so that we aren't taken off guard by stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many things happening. There's, of course, kind of on the medical front. Yes, there was already even before COVID, there was a big move among states to to make it more difficult to, you know, to make your own choices about vaccines for your children and decide what you think is best. And and uh, that's where in Heritage Defense, we defend families' rights to do what they believe is best on that, whether it be all of them, none of them, delay them, you know, whatever. We think that's parents should make that decision, but there's obviously a move against that even before COVID. It just has become even more aggressive since then. And so that there's that. There's the whole, you know, gender issues, dysphoria. Yeah. That I even saw a case the other day where a court, it was a CPS case, and court even removed children because the the parents were not affirming a child's, you know, chosen gender terminology and their choices that they were making and so there's there's things, some things like that that are obviously very new and unique uh, uh you know, problems that, that were that you know that we're not facing now but are certainly on the horizon i think and could could be affecting a lot more people soon and then there's just this, the things that have been around all along and that is you know even for the general public there's lots of child uh, CPS allegations made against people. 37% of children studies show will be part of a CPS investigation by the time they turn 18. Wow. Um, every year in this country, over 4% of children are part of a CPS investigation. 90% of reports made are actually unfounded. 80% of investigations are unfounded, which means, you know, this is mostly of innocent families that are having to go through these investigations. And they can be very traumatic and difficult. And that's been that way, you know, for, for quite some time. And, and obviously homeschoolers in some ways are less prone to get investigated because they're not, you know, in the, in the government schools where, yeah, I saw the statistic just today, one out of every, only, only one out of every three reports made by school personnel turns out to be founded. So two out of three by teachers and other staff, you know, are not, you know, so homeschoolers don't have to deal with that, but, but at the same time, homeschoolers are also viewed with higher scrutiny right you know things like that so that, again that's something stuff that's not new that's still going on and then there's a lot of new things as well that um that make it to where unfortunately we, we wish we didn't exist either we wish there weren't a need <laughs> to you know keep an attorney in your back pocket but you know there is and yeah. uh and that's what we're here for to give people peace of mind knowing that you do have somebody to call 24 7 ready to defend your family and even if you don't need to call us you know, your membership is helping to make it yeah. so that we can be there for other families. Yeah, that's that two out of three statistic that you gave about unfounded allegations from teachers or staff at schools is stunning. I mean, if 
there seems to be just more and more and more evidence and reasons to withdraw your children from that system. But that statistic alone would propel me to not only pull them out, but keep them, you know, that is that is just you're so vulnerable, no matter how well you're doing, no matter how, you know, healthy your family is, you still have that vulnerability if they're in that system. And that's a really that's a sobering thing. Yes, it definitely is. Well, and it's the other, you know, yet another reason to homeschool is that in the laws in most states, the CPS investigators can actually go to the schools and remove the children from class and interview them without wow. any prior parental notice or consent. Whereas, obviously, if they're in your home, they have to have your permission or they have to have a court order in order to do that. So, so it's definitely one more reason to homeschool. Wow. Wow. I, I honestly had no idea about that. So I appreciate your sharing that. That is, that is fascinating and horrifying all at the same time. I want to move on over to, to looking at medical, medical issues. I know that you've spoken at Teach Them Diligently about medical consent and parental rights and stuff like that in the past. I suspect you're going to do it in Round Rock and Pigeon Forge again this year because so many people are interested in it. But you know, just kind of short answer here. Can a child really get medical treatment without their parents approving it now? Yeah. And the, the, well, the answer depends on the state. So every state's law is a little bit different. And and actually members of heritage defense is something we have in our, kind of our member section where you can see kind of what, what the law in your state is. But, uh, and we even have like grades for, all right, your state is an A on this and your state's an F on this. Oh, nice. Um, Nice. But, but yeah, we have states that, you know, it, it kind of depends. So there's states like, I'm just going to use a few examples here, but Tennessee, where parental consent is not required for treatment for for prenatal care, for, for contraception in some cases, or for drug abuse. So uh, children can go get, you know, print, uh, medical treatment for all the subjects and, uh, without any kind of parental consent. The, yes, then there's actually South Carolina. They're, Parental consent is not required if the child is 16, 16 or over, for anything except for s- surgery or a kind of a, a drug abuse for, for death uh, specifically wow. there. So South Carolina is, you know, a, uh, oh, I, I forget. One other thing in South Carolina is, is for abortion, actually. Uh, a child can get an abortion if they're 17. If they have a court order or if they have permission from a grandparent, which is oh. strange because most states require yeah. parental consent or a court order. But in South Carolina, you can even get an abortion at 17 with permission from a grandparent. So there's, you know, there's some things like that that, you know, that aren't, you know, that they're not what they should be. They're not respecting parental rights like they should. But then you have other states, some other states, which are way worse, like Nevada. You have parental consents not required for treatment regarding abortion at all. Wow. STDs, like substance use disorder at any age, wow. right, at any age. And so anything except for sterilization, right, a child can't be sterilized. Okay. Or Oregon, parental consent is not required for treatment regarding abortion at any age, birth control, STDs. Or if you're 14, you can get outpatient mental or emotional disorder or chemical dependency treatment. Or if you're 16, you can donate blood. And actually, if you're 15, you can you can actually even get surgeries 
and really oddly enough in Oregon, if you're 15, you can get, you can pretty much do anything once you're 15, except donate blood, you have to be 16, except you have to be 18 in order to get your first contact lenses. Wow. So, okay. uh, so yeah, you can, right. get sur- you can get surgeries and things like that at the age of 15 without parental consent in Oregon, but you got to be 18 to get your first contact lenses. So common sense has left the building and yeah, we are, we right. are just left with the crazy that we see all around this. I want to dive a lot deeper into this and some of the specifics as well as how can parents prepare themselves? What do we need to know? And really talk about that after this break. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Before the break, we were learning about some of the specifics in different states for what medical treatment minors can get without parental consent. And it's actually just horrifying to think that children without the the judgment or experience needed to really make these sometimes life alter often life altering decisions are able to do it with the blessing of the state and not the blessing of the parents. So Bradley, what what circumstances do you guys see where parents really get sideways on this? I mean, how does how does that play out practically? Because I suspect that you're talking to a lot of people like me that are just blown away by the thought of it. So, you know, kind of help us understand how how we get there and what what some of the conflict may look like. Actually, I think will help broaden our understanding of the issue and how big and real it really is. Yeah, a lot of times parents first realization that this is even an issue, you know, because, you know, when you have small children and you go to the doctor, then the doctor always talks to you about your children and and uh, gives you the information, asks you what you want to do. And you're never really asked to leave the room, you know, when it comes to your children. And so, you know, you go along fine and you don't really think there's an issue. But then there comes a day when your child becomes, you know, preteen, 12, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 and there. And then all of a sudden the doctors, you know, or the nurse practitioner or whoever it may be. Now you go to the doctor's office and they say, you know, you know, they talk to you for a little bit. And then they're like, all right, you know, mom, you want to step out? Let us talk to talk to your child without you. And parents a lot of times are caught flat footed and they're kind of surprised by that. And some of them just react. I mean, just you're just reacting in the moment. And sometimes that can be you do an, an okay job with that. And sometimes you don't. Uh, sometimes you're like, all right, and just do what they say. Yeah. And, or sometimes you overreact. And so it's good for parents to get, kind of decide in advance and, and work on these things in advance uh, to help make these situations go much smoother. But that's, that's normally where they first come up. And it's normally because they're wanting to talk to your child about these subjects that I just talked about. Uh, most, you know, many of which pertain to the subject of sexual activity. And is your child, you know, are they involved with that? Are they doing it? you know, safe sex and, and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, doctors and the, the, it's pretty standard for them to want to talk to uh, the children about that. So, you know, what really the best thing that parents can do to address that and kind of be ready for that is talk to your child about it beforehand. You know, just kind of talk to them about it beforehand, let them know it is going to be, that is probably going to happen. You're, you are going to go to the doctor and they are going to say, Okay, mom or dad, whoever's with the child, you know, would you step out of the room? And the best thing that, that I guess the best response to that 
is really for the pot, the child to pipe up at that moment and say, you know, no, I'd really like, yeah, I feel more comfortable if my mom stayed with me or my, my dad stayed with me here. Uh, that's going to be kind of the, the smoothest way to handle that. Yeah. You know, so that's got to be a conversation that you have with your child beforehand so that they, you know, you, you talk about why that's important for you to be there and, and all of that. And if your child has a problem with that, well, obviously that's that's an issue of itself and you need to know that in advance right. and that's something right. that for you to talk about with your child as well. So, you know, that's that's really the, the very first and most important thing that parents can do is talk with their children about it beforehand and then, you know, hopefully everybody's on the same page that, hey, you know, we need to be in there with you and we need to know what's going on. We're your parents. We want what's best for you. And, you know, hopefully your child's on the same page with that. And then if they are, you know, just kind of tell them, okay, well, then the best thing is going to be for you to just say, hey, no, I'd, I'd like my mom to be in here with me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I thought that about 10 years or so, my oldest son is 23 now. And I remember when he was 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there, I took him to the doctor. I, all of us, you know, family, we just kind of all went in, had all of our appointments, did all that thing. And the doctor asked me to step out. I had never thought about it. I had never, you know, this was 11, 10, 11, 12 years ago. So it wasn't even on my radar that anything bad could be happening. And I thought at the time that it was just deference for my son, for mommy not to, you know, just kind of so he wouldn't be embarrassed and whatever. But after that, it just didn't set right, you know? So I, I was flat footed. I complied. And then we had our conversations after. And I thought he did. He was asked those types of questions. But knowing beforehand where you can work out with your, especially with moms and sons, there is a modesty issue and stuff like that that you sure. do want to have right. deference with. But that could be just turning your back. That could be, you know, so having those conversations in advance, recognizing what the reality is that you're walking into is, I think, such a powerful tool to not be caught flat footed, but also to have a plan of action as a family so that so that you can stay united in that time. Exactly. So, yeah, that was that's really, really, really helpful. What else, as far as, you know, the the medical treatment, as your kids get older, you mentioned before the break, you talked ages, you know, 16, 17, where they're really able to make so many of their own decisions. I have thought a lot or I thought a lot during that time. At what point do you need to get like medical power of attorney? Does that help with things? What what are some some ways that you can you can make sure you can still help them or step in? in situations where they would still need you to. Yeah, well, you know, medical power of attorney is probably, is, you know, something good to have uh, once a child becomes an adult, because then, you know, if for some reason your child gets in a wreck and is unconscious or, or, or you know, for whatever reason is in a coma and not able to make their own decisions or they, la- they lose mental capacity for some reason, then at that point you can make decisions for them. But, but that, that really won't help you for kind of the stuff that we're talking about. You know, there is something else that is a, a, a HIPAA authorization that most doctor's offices has that, that children can sign that will actually, you know, allow you to have access to all their information. Again, even once they're an adult, if that's what they want to, to agree to, they can also do that to make sure that, you know, that, that you have that. We also have a form for our members, you know, to cover this issue, granting parents 
you know, authorization or saying that, you know, the, the, for the child to sign to say, hey, I want my parents involved with this as well that you can put in your child's file. Uh, so that's that's all some things that, that can be done. There's nothing really, you know, if the law says that, you, that a child can do it uh, without parental consent, there's not really a way to override that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and of course, the child could sign something today and then revoke it tomorrow. So it's not like it's a, you know, there's, there's no, there's no way, there's no trump card that just says, oh, no, well, I've got parental rights until my child's yes. 18. There's not, not really any way to do that. You know, so it's, that's why it's important to, again, have the conversation with your child. But it's also important to make sure that, you know, that you're going to a doctor that, you know, respects your parental rights and respects that, hey, you're the parent. You do have the best interest of your child at heart. And doesn't view you as some kind of an interloper or like, hey, hey, no, 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 it's going to be me and your child, you know, the doctor and your child, like, hey, we know what's best. And mom, you just go sit in the corner over here. I'm going to be your child's, you know, give the, I'm going to be the one giving them advice and, and without you even being involved. And of course, the doctor should be giving advice, but but not not trying to cut you out of that. Right. Uh, like like right, you're right. not a part of it. Um, so that's why it's it's good to have a you know, a good doctor that you are going to, that you trust, you know, when it comes to your children. Well, and on that front, I, I see conversations all the time among friends of mine and homeschoolers beyond, well, just families, not just homeschoolers beyond actually asking questions like that about doctors. So it's, it's real easy to, to find a doctor like that in your area by starting to ask around with people who would have a similar mindset. Um, and you, your area may have to expand some. So, right. but you can, you can usually find physicians that are, that are more inclined to honor the, the parental rights and to, to respect in that way. But I, this is, this has just been, I, I think really, really helpful to open our eyes to things. But Bradley, for the, for the rest of the time that we have, what kind of conversations do we need to be having with our children and kind of at what ages should we be introducing some of these things? Because you talked earlier about, you know, preparing them, you know, in advance. And I think that probably that age is going to be a little different if they're in a school system as opposed to if they're not, because they're going to be faced with things that homeschoolers are sheltered from. But what are some of the conversations that we really need to be very strategic with having, even if we don't want to, (laughs) And about what age should we start introducing those things? You know, I mean, as far as these issues, medical consent, things like that, you know, I think, you know, 10, 11, 12, you know, talking with your children about that. Again, especially if you if you have a doctor's appointment coming up, you know, that's, that's a good reminder to, oh, wow, well, we should probably go ahead and call, have the conversation. Uh, definitely after 10 years old, that, that starts becoming an issue. And again, it's it's sad that doctors are having these kind of conversations with children that young, but unfortunately... You know, they are seeing patients that that right. have issues, you know, they, they ha, you know maybe have STDs and things like that. So that's why they just kind of, OK, well, let's talk with everybody about this. So it is something for, to go ahead and talk with your children about before those visits. And, you know, and again, you know, hopefully your doctor isn't going to be talking to your child about how they feel in their body as far as, you know, do they feel like a girl or do they feel like a boy and things like that, uh, obviously that would be, you know, time to find a new doctor if they are. But is it possible that your doctor, or maybe they got a new nurse, maybe they do ask your child a question about that. Again, it's something that you want it to come from you first and not from your doctor and not from some nurse. You want it to be something that you have talked about with your child. 
and you know before they walk in there. And again, and again, as long as your child is on the same page with you staying in the room, then you know if that does come up, then then uh, you're there as well to help help them navigate that. Absolutely. And this is another area where the heart school approach that we talk about so much at Teach Them Diligently, where you're focused on the heart of your children, building those relationships and and having that platform to have these difficult conversations that nobody wants to have. Right. It, it just strengthens your ability to help direct your child through all of these things that they are going to be faced with that you and I weren't faced with when we were kids. This was not... Right. This was not talked about when I was younger, at least not in polite company. You know, it, right. it wasn't, it was taboo, what is now celebrated. So, so really intentionally going for your child's heart while they're young, while they're in the middle, it, it extends as they get older. It gives you such a, so much better of a platform to have these conversations, to help shepherd them, help them learn to critically think through why we take the stances that we take or why we are not okay with whatever it is. And and they're able to overlay biblical truth with these cultural issues. And again, it just right. is another way that that heart schooling approach really, really shines. Yes, I think that's great. And I, and I think it's important. I, speaking as a homeschool graduate myself, you know, now my wife, you know, we homeschool our, our 10 children now, but I was homeschooled from the time I was seven years old and or really six years old. And, you know, sometimes... It, especially I think for first generation homeschool parents, you actually, you, you can be, you, you can be naive and think that you're, oh, well, that's your child's never going to encounter this or never going to encounter that. And, you know, the public schools didn't invent sin, right? They didn't invent a lot of these things that may be more, more open and obvious and rampant there. But, but these are things that your children are going to deal with. And the beauty of homeschooling is, hey, you're, you are right there. Let's talk about it. One of the worst things you can do, though, is pretend that your child is never going to face it just because they're yeah. a homeschooler, because then you're not properly educating them and preparing them and discipling them for the world that they're entering into. Well, exactly. Or letting the fear of everything that they may face paralyze you to where you don't have those conversations. Because I think a lot of us that is, have been through middle school anyway, have have Ray have seen that in our own life. I remember being so fearful of the things that my boys were going to be approached with or the internet or this, that, and the, you know, every bad wicked thing crashed in on me because I knew that my kids were high value targets. But instead of taking that to the Lord and being proactive, I was so afraid that I was paralyzed. And we cannot allow fear of all of these things that he's talking about to make us paralyzed either. We have to be bold and have these conversations and prepare ourselves and our kids for whatever they may end up facing in the days ahead. Exactly. Right. The answer is the answer to, isn't just to stick our heads in the sand. The answer is to, like you said, uh, bring these things to our children, talk about them, open the Bible. What does God say about this? Yeah. And, you know, again, when when we do that, you know, God, God blesses that. And so um, I, I think that's exactly what we should be doing. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, Bradley, we are running out of time, but I am so thankful to be able to partner with you guys uh, through Teach Them Diligently. I'm so thrilled that you'll be at both of our big events this year. Um, so I wanted you to tell us a little bit about what people can expect at those events, what you guys will be bringing, what you'll be talking about, and then let us know how they can connect with Heritage Defense to to take the next steps, get a membership and so on. 
Yeah. So we're looking forward to seeing y'all and being with you in Round Rock and in Pigeon Forge. And uh, we're going to have our booth there ready to answer any questions for anybody that they may have. And I'll be speaking there about eight laws that every Texas parent should know for the Round Rock Conference. And I think I'll be doing the same, something similar yeah. for Tennessee folks. And then also talking about seven tips that parents can know if someone ever does show up on your doorstep, if a social worker ever does show up, uh, here's seven tips about how to handle that. Yeah. So uh, it's something that, again, hopefully none of us ever face, but it, like I said, 37% of children will. And so it's something that, you know, the, the answer is, again, the answer isn't put our heads in the sand. The answer is to think about it, prepare for it, and hopefully it never happens, right? It's just like having a firearm at your house. It's like, hopefully you never have to use it, but it's there right. if you do. Same thing here. Hopefully, hopefully you would never have to use an attorney, but we're here if people do. And hopefully you would never need this information, but, but it's there, you, you know, having it, it just, even it just get, it just gives you more confidence uh, handling that. So we're going to be talking about that at these conferences and we're looking forward to seeing everybody there. And, and as far as folks can find out more about Heritage Defense on our website, heritagedefense.org. And we have a lot of information there, videos, people can find out, uh, just learn more about what we do. Well, and we will be sure, check the show notes. Um, we've got all of these links in there to to help you go deeper with Heritage Defense, get more information, more tools to make sure that you're equipped to do what God has called you to do and to prepare your children for whatever lies ahead. So I thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Bradley, thank you for, for taking the time to tell us all of this. It's been fascinating and incredibly helpful. Very good. Well, very much. Thanks very much for having me. It's been a privilege. And to the rest of you, thank you for hanging out with us today. I am confident that you got a lot of information that will be really, really helpful for you. In fact, you may want to go back and listen again, but you definitely are going to want to go onto heritagedefense.org, find the information that they have there, learn how you can get connected with them, get that peace of mind of knowing that someone's got your back, that someone's there to counsel you through unimaginable situations that we hope and pray never happens but that if it does, you'll be really, really glad that you had prepared in advance. So check the show notes out. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more. So check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Thank you.